Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. My name is Tim Barton, and I am one of the pastors here at the Vine. And today we come to the last sermon um, in our series of Jesus' plan for the world to know. And we've been talking about this plan. We've, we've called it throughout here, we've called this discipleship. And this is what he's given us. But as we come today, I want to remind you that this plan for Jesus' plan for the world to know is actually a very simple plan. It's a simple plan. And we're going to see that today as we come to this passage that he's called us to. Um, you can come today to John chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. It's a passage that will be pretty familiar to you, um, but as we unpack it today, I think we'll understand a little more about this plan of discipleship um, that, that Jesus has laid out for us. And so I remind you that this is God's Word, that what we read here is not just another book. It is what God has said through men He chose by the power of the Holy Spirit. God has said, this is where we learn how to obey Him. This is what we, where we learn what we need in this life, and that is Jesus. This is how we learn to live in response to the grace he's shown us. That's what we come to now. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Jesus, speaking to the disciples, says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So again, um, as we look at Jesus' plan for the world to know, and we summarize this all up today, it's a simple plan. Why do I say that? Well, look at verse 1 again. Jesus uses an analogy here to make it simple. Um, verse, verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, my Father is the vine dresser. And so he says, I am the true vine. Let's talk about that for a minute as we, kinda, as we set this up. Because when Jesus, when, when Jesus says that, we hear true vine, we're like, oh, okay, yeah, got it, maybe, sort of, right? But when he says it in the context of this passage, what he's saying is something that would have meant a lot to the disciples, and it would have meant a lot to those who read it for the first time there in, in the people of Israel. And the reason is, so, so Jesus is, in the context of this, he's in the upper room. He's with, the 11, with 11 disciples. You know, there were 12, but just before this passage, do you remember what happened just before this passage, Jesus looks at Judas and says, um, go do what you're about to do. That's my paraphrase. Um, just go do it. He knows what Judas is about to betray him. So Judas goes out, and he's, he's already left. He's going to get the mob to come back and get Jesus. And so after he goes out, that's when Jesus says these words. And Jesus wasn't confused. It wasn't some funny usage of words. Jesus didn't, didn't mess up his words, right? Um, it meant something here. To understand what it meant, first, I, just, um, I want you to know that the Jewish historian, Josephus, um, who wrote early, um, early in history, he said that 
in Jerusalem on coins that were created during the, um, the uh, sorry, the first Jewish revolt in AD 66 through 70, on those coins, the vine was used as a symbol for Israel, right? So a vine was often used as a symbol for Israel. We also know that in the Old Testament, the imagery of the vine was used, but it was used almost exclusively when it was talking about judgment that was going to come to Israel. Let me give you one example of that. In Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, Isaiah shares the song of the vine dresser. That is the Lord. So the song of the Lord, the vine dresser. And what, he says, what he's doing there is he's lamenting the fact that he had planted a vineyard, that is the people of Israel, that he had cared for it, that he had prepared it to thrive. And yet what was happening was it was producing wild grapes. That means it was not producing good fruit. And so the vine dresser, the Lord, it shows us in Isaiah, is going to remove his protection from the people, from Israel, from, from the vineyard. So now when Jesus, you all with me so far? Now when Jesus here refers to himself as the true vine in verse 1 and, and the vine in verse 5, he's again saying that it's only through Jesus, only through him that people may be in relationship with God the Father. Jesus is clearly making the claim that he is the only hope. And that the hope of the people of Israel is not through being part of the people of Israel. He's showing them that the people of Israel then, that the church today, are not saved because of our association to one another. They are saved. We are saved. We are given life by being connected to the true vine. Now, I'm going to pause just a minute. There's kids in here today, and I want to make sure they're clear. Maybe some of us as adults, too. When I say connected to the true vine, let's be super clear that our church is not the true vine. (laughs) You're not saved by coming to the vine. We do intend to faithfully point you, point one another to the true vine, because that's Jesus' plan for the world to know. And as Jesus says he's the true vine, we also see that the people of God in this passage are represented by the the branches that are connected to the true vine. These verses tell us that, that those that are connected to him are those that abide in him. Then, because we, the people of God, stay with me, then because we, the people of God, find our source of life in him, because we're connected to and abide in him, then the people of God are called to be in relationship with one another. We're to to be helping one another. Helping one another grow. Helping one another abide in him. And then we're also to be doing the thing that we don't like, we don't like to talk about much, Scripture teaches us very plainly that we are to be admonishing and correcting one another. We want to say, stay out of my business. God's Word says we need that from one another. So now one more piece of context. We need to understand what this word abide means. 
All right, and the way we're defining it today, um, biblical abiding in Jesus is to remain with or to continue to be present with Jesus. And so here's what that means, if I, if I take that a little further. This means that those things that Jesus says, those things that Jesus teaches us in his word, those things are becoming the most important thing in our life. It means that we are learning to submit to, to obey his word. It means that our lives are being changed to live out what he teaches us in his word. Moment by moment. And we do it all by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Y'all, look up at me just a minute. That is the heart and core of biblical discipleship. That is the heart and core of biblical discipleship. We can get stuck. We can get stuck because we discuss things like, what format counts as discipleship? How many people should be in a group for it to be called discipleship? What type of study counts and what type of study doesn't count as discipleship? Can we keep track of who's being discipled and who isn't? Now, those things matter. Please don't misunderstand me. They do matter, right? But they're not the core. If we make all those other things or things like them the core, then we might be making discipleship about something more than together becoming growing followers of Jesus. And that's the heart and core. Becoming growing followers of Jesus, abiding in him. So what I want to do now is spend the rest of the time this morning looking at this passage. And I, and I want to do that because I think this passage shows us three, again, the three very simple aspects, three, different, three simple points of what biblical discipleship looks like. First one is, discipleship teaches us that we should bear fruit. Discipleship teaches us that we should bear fruit. Look at verse 2 again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So who's he, who's he talking about? I gave you the context of the passage. Who do you think he's talking about here immediately in the passage? Remember who just ran out to go betray Jesus? And so immediately in the passage, I think he's talking about Judas. Judas had never really believed Jesus even though he was part of, the, of Jesus' vine, so to speak. He was there, he was around, but he had never really believed Jesus. Judas had been with Jesus just like the other disciples. He was part of the inner circle. But in the end, he didn't bear fruit. Though Jesus called him to it, though Jesus taught him, continued to teach him that he needed to bear fruit, he didn't. And that applies beyond Judas. It applies to those who are hearing this passage the first time. It applies to his people today. But I want to I say clearly that I think, um, I, I like what, how John Piper and Charles Spurgeon state this, because they say that these verses are referring to those who have been associated with the vine, been associated with Jesus, kind of been around the church maybe but prove to have never believed because there's no sign of lasting fruit. Discipleship teaches us that fruit is part of the Christian life. And so again, that means that we're learning to submit to his word. It means that our lives are 
being changed to live out what he teaches us in his word. So today um, is, Jordan told us at the beginning, is, this, is the day uh, on the church calendar where annually we, we remember Pentecost. Well, why do we do that? Well, the reason we do that is because we remember that the Holy Spirit, that, that every believer, every true follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit. If you didn't have the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't be a true follower of Jesus. But he makes us alive. He gives us new life. And then the Holy Spirit then gives us spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit then takes talents that we have and redeems them for, for serving him and honoring him. And all of that is for God's glory. And all of that is to make the name of Jesus known in our lives and to those around us. And so this should cause us to ask ourselves. Should cause us to ask ourselves, do I see fruit in my life? Do I see fruit in my life? Am I desiring to follow what Jesus says is good for me in his word? Does my sin increasingly cause me sorrow as I walk with Jesus? Am I learning to believe that he loves me like he says he does? Do I see fruit in my life? You see, those things are at the heart of what bearing fruit looks like. And that will have impact. When we start to ask those questions, we start to believe that, we start to see that thing, those things happen, that will have impact to those around us. Second part of the plan, this very simple plan, second part of the plan is that discipleship teaches us that even when we bear fruit, we need to be pruned. Even when we bear fruit, we need to be pruned. So second half of verse 2, first half said, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The second half says, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Again, Jesus talking to the 11 disciples, right? Were these guys perfect? <laughs> no. I think I heard a kid answer out loud. No, right? They had all sorts of mess going on, all right? They've been connected to the vine, and there is fruit from their connection. There are things we're seeing where they, they, there is fruit there. But have you noticed over and over and over again, we see things like them denying him. We see them doubting him. We see them struggling. We see them disagreeing among themselves. And, and just to be clear, sometimes we, we say, well, yeah, that's because the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. Have you read the book of Acts? It keeps going, right? And then you read into the New Testament. There's still issues. There's still things going on there. They're not perfect. They give me a lot of hope. But in the midst of all of that, we see fruit, and we see the continual need for pruning. You know where the application goes, right? We need pruning as well. Every one of us need pruning as well. You know when you walk up to somebody and you're like, somebody, well, again, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. You don't walk up to somebody. Somebody walks up to you. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. 
yeah, things are great. How are you? And then y'all move, you move on, right? There's, there's a family friend, the lady here, who's been here for a long time. Um, and for years, it felt like we would walk in, or she would walk in and on a Sunday morning. We're like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, great, yeah, yeah. And then one day she walked in. She goes, hey, how you doing? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. And she said, yeah, me too. And then we looked at each other. We're like, we're both lying. When we're fake, we hinder discipleship. When we're not willing to really say what's going on, at least to some people in our lives, how are you going to be discipled? We don't need to live a fake perfect life. You're putting an expectation on yourself that you'll never be able to fulfill, and it's miserable. We need to live lives that are saying, grow me, change me to be like God tells me to be. We need to be pruned. Now, pruning, pruning's not fun. You see, God wants us to operate at maximum fruit-bearing capacity. Right? We call that flourishing his grace and bear fruit. And because of that, he prunes us. But, but pruning means to cleanse or to purge. And what do you think a vine dresser uses to, to, to prune? A knife. And with a knife, he cuts off sucker growths. He digs out diseases and pests. Does that sound pleasant when you start thinking about us being those who need to be pruned? Of course not. Right? That doesn't sound like something I want to sign up for. But the father, the vine dresser, right? Because of his love for us, because he said he's going to continue to work in us, he takes those sins, those hindrances, those things in our lives that attach themselves to us, and he shows us, he shows them to us, which is hard enough. He shows us they need to be cut out, but then he calls us to run to Jesus, to run to Jesus. Because he's dealt with that sin. Run to Jesus because he's dealt with it. He said, if you're a follower of Jesus, he said, you're mine. And I will give you the strength to battle this. But you've got to run to me. One of the best ways that God teaches us this and teaches us how needy we are is that he uses the brokenness and the sinfulness of this world. He uses the fact that we live in a broken world to point us back to him. And that's why in our lives as believers, sometimes we might look around at other believers and like, hey, Lord, um, I seem to have my un an unfair share of pruning going on right now. Or we might look at another believer and go, wow, Lord, like, do they really need that much more? God the Father knows. Our sovereign God knows what we need. He may prune us through sickness, through hardship. It may be through the slander of others. It may be through persecution. Um, Andrew Collins, our, our um, 
youth pastor asked, he gave me a podcast, and I've just been listening to um, people who have gone before us, who have been persecuted, who've walked in faith in those things. Um, it's really encouraging. At this moment, I can't think of the name of it. So if you want to know later, ask me and I'll tell you. I can tell you all sorts of stories, but I can't think of the name of the podcast. So I'll tell you later. Um, but God uses those things. He uses those things in our lives. It may be the loss of a loved one or particular grief in relationship. It may be agony over other people. All of those things are talked about in the Bible. All of them are talked about in the Bible as things that believers go through. It doesn't say things of those who aren't followers of Jesus come to Jesus and it all go away. When it talks about those are things that followers of Jesus go through. And he uses those to show us how needy we are for him. And so discipleship reminds us that those things are necessary. And it points us to the truth of God's word, that we need Jesus and his grace, and that we need him continually present with us. And then that all points back to the third part of the plan. Discipleship teaches us that we bear fruit only when we abide in Jesus. Look at verse 4 and 5 again. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If I were to stop right here and you were to walk out of here today, and you were to think, I need to do some good stuff so that God and so that the people around me might see that I'm bearing fruit, then I want to encourage you to pay really careful attention to this illustration. Kids, I'm going to need your help with this, okay? What is this? It's a branch. Is it connected to anything? No. All right. So, if I were to throw that branch down on the ground... I'm going to need you to use your imagination with me, okay? And I were to take some water, and I'm pour some water on that branch, right? And then I took some dirt, I sprinkled some dirt on that branch. And then I cut a hole in the roof so sunlight could get to that branch, right? And then I put a little, maybe a little plant food or nutrients on that branch. Will that branch grow? No, it's kind of silly to think that, isn't it? It's really kind of silly. But here's the thing. We do that all the time. We think if I just go through the motions, if I just do the right thing, if I just do some good stuff, then I'll grow. But you're not connect, if you're not connected to the source of life, that, thing, that branch isn't connected to the source of life. If we're not connected to the source of life, if we're not abiding in Christ and coming to Him over and over again, we won't grow and we won't produce fruit. Jesus' plan is simple. He says, abide in me. 
I am the source of life. Jesus is the creator with the Father, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He's the creator, the source and giver of life. Jesus also says of himself in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Y'all, Jesus' plan is simple. But it's not easy. You know why it's not easy? Because it's not natural for us. What's natural? The Bible teaches us everyone is going astray. The Bible teaches us we are all sinful, even beyond what we can think or imagine. The Bible teaches us that we want to be God ourselves, right? That's what's natural. And even as believers, we still have to wrestle. As new creations, we still wrestle with that remaining stuff in us. Abiding in Jesus relies on the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why a few weeks ago we did a whole sermon on that, right? Because what's natural for us is to act in pride. What's natural for us is to act like we must do it on our own. Or or to act in despair because we think, well, I can't do it on my own. Both of those things are pride, by the way. One's one extreme and one's the other. We think we must accomplish, whether that's achievements in life or relational things or spiritual things, accomplish through our children, or we despair when we don't accomplish. Discipleship acknowledges that we need to abide in him, and and so he's given us the church, his people. Because we all need one another to point us to the work of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in us to do what's not natural for us. We all need one another to show us where we are disconnected from Jesus and the way we're living our lives or the way we're thinking about something. We need one another to say, no, look, God's word says that's not right. I'll pray for you in that. I'll walk with you in that. And here's what's great. And I can say this with complete confidence. That when we approach it that way, when we follow Jesus' plan for this, it will multiply. You know how I know? Because it's been multiplying for years and years and years and years. And it will not stop multiplying until that day when all who are called by his name have been redeemed and Jesus returns. Then it'll stop because we're going to be with him in glory forever and ever and ever. And that's what we look to. As we come to the Lord's table today, I want to ask you to take a minute and ask this question. Where are you disconnected from Jesus? And I want to challenge you, don't, don't ask that question to yourself and just kind of think about it. Pray it. Ask the Lord to show you where are you disconnected from Jesus right now in your life? Where's a place that, I'll just leave it at that. Where are you disconnected from Jesus right now? 
Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.